go. We're going. We're going. Welcome to the 2021 Bubba's Backyard Ultra Recap. I'm Monty and we have Andrew. I like this. I like switching roles here. Yes, the third year of Bubba's done in the books. If you missed it, it would, uh, you should be sad. I think there's a lot of people that are sad that got some FOMO following online. Um, our followers went up. That was great. Run the whites. Yeah. You know, it's uh, I mean, it's it's interesting to get the, the once an hour updates. It's even more interesting the, the way that time works when you're there, how it's, it goes from very being a, a race director and or a spectator going very, very slowly, they're going very, very quickly and just like ebbs and flows. And it seems like it's never going to end. And then all of a sudden it's over and now it's a week later and it's like, I can't believe it. Yeah, time. Time stands still, I feel like, as a volunteer race director and a participant, man, I've never seen 12 to 15 minutes go by so fast, so frequently. Yeah. Well, how, how are things differently for you being, because you've now uh, had your shoes both in as a, a racer and as a race director, what were the differences for you? Oh, great question. Uh, I have a list here. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 want, I honestly want to do it just for the same reason everyone else wanted to do it. It's that curiosity of the format. What is the course like? How, how much credit do I give the course versus like the people, yeah. you know, is this an easy course, hard course? And, um, tell you what, it's pretty, pretty true to form the course. Like at a hundred miles, I felt like I'd run a hundred miles. Like there was absolutely, no hiding from, from the distance. Uh, there's a few things I, I think I want to talk about, but, um, I guess the first one is we had like, the weather was not great. No, it was this wet and misty. And I never felt like I was like, I could never go in after each lap and just feel like warm and comfortable. I would get in early and, uh, spend time sitting there to the point where I'd start shivering and I had a down jacket, down shorts, a sleeping bag on top of that. And I'd still get cold, even with a, a hot water bottle. That was like my next trick. Yeah. Beautiful. Like that felt amazing. But then when you had to switch to start each lap, I had a rain jacket shell on and I was just like, let's go. And then within three minutes I was sweating again. Yeah. So imagine going 24 plus laps you know, when you have that morning run and you're like, oh, start your runs off cold because you're gonna get hot. Yeah. Having to do that 24 times or 30, whatever, how many times I did it when I was cold. Yeah. Miserable. Well, and you, you came back carrying your jacket multiple times. I, uh, and this is, you know, my strategy when I went pre-race was like, all right, I'm gonna be smart. I'm gonna walk a bunch. And then when it came down to the discipline, I had none of that. <laughs> I just ran pretty much as much as possible. And there was certainly a lot of walking throughout, but not nearly as much as the people that paced, I would say correctly for those 50 to 52 minute laps. I mean, that's like you, you run that time, you, that's don't, a sweet spot. you don't cool down, you run, uh, you know, you give yourself 20 minutes, you're going to cool way down. And yeah. I think that that certainly affected me. It made the nighttime way less enjoyable. And even like that second day, uh, way less enjoyable. But all in all, I would say experiencing it as a participant, there's a few takeaways. One is that time flies by. Spoke about that. Volunteers, awesome. So helpful. Having food, whatever I needed when I came in, I could just ask for it. I didn't have a crew, which 
now I understand like the full value of a crew. If I was coming in say with 10 minutes left, um, I was coming in every time and like, I was like, all right, where did I leave my puffy jacket and pants? It was yeah. like, it seemed like it was a new spot every time. Yes. And then refill my, I started drinking water and didn't realize how thirsty I was getting out there because I was getting hot. Um, so make sure I refilled my water. I put tailwind and I had this revelation where three, two to three scoops of tailwind. Amazing. I can live off that. I did 24 plus hours just on liquids. Uh, I've gotten a couple of situations where I was bonking a little bit because I was trying to process food. Might've been that one beer I had, but it, it wasn't fun. It made that whole lap really not enjoyable. Um, and then as far as like what makes you quit, I think that's the other part is like, uh, or, or going back to not run it, not walking. Well, it. let's, let's roll, let's roll it back a little bit. Right. Yeah. We give people some basic guidelines for what to do and what not to do. Right. And one is don't have goals set in mind. Just go out and run your laps. And then when you want to stop, run another one. Right. Did you go out? Cause we didn't pre talk about this before the race, because I have, I'm trying to balance the line between race director and getting and being intimate with somebody who's in the race. So did you have any goals in mind? Yeah. I, my minimum goal is 24 hours and that all starts from maybe eight laps in or so. How am I feeling? Any red flags? Cause I knew I had some IT band stuff, some knee paint, there's like lingering stuff from the summer. And I, so that stuff's always a wild card. Anyone who does this race, like you'd be lying to say like, just want to get those first. I mean, that's pretty much everyone did that distance. So yeah. get through that distance and then like roll into it. So I had like nerve pain down the back of my hamstrings. I had hips. You have all this time to think about all the things that are wrong with your body over that lap. Yeah. And I just wanted to get through that. So I did. So then after that, I'm like, I know I can do a hundred. I've done a hundred miler before, so I know I can cover a hundred miles. After that, you're in this like new territory staying up for 24 plus hours. I knew I could do that, but like how much further? Right. So my goals were not cemented in anything. It was this ebb and flow of, can I do one more lap into, oh, I'm good for another, you know, yeah. the next, get into the next night. And when things got down to it, it was just, um, it was like, I, tr I tried not to be in this attitude that JP talked about, which was, why isn't anyone else dropping? And it's like, <laughs> no, you should be like, thankfully there's other people still in this that give me the opportunity to keep going. Yeah. And I tried to get out of that funk, um, not getting dry, not being dry. So again, not having a crew. I was just like, these little things were annoying. Feet were solid out of everything. My feet felt great, but like my shorts, my, my shirt was wet. It's just like, there's all these little things that were getting old. Yeah. Um, but totally preventable if I was dialed. Right. And when it was just the five of us, we were going and this is where I just started to feel content with my effort. I was like, all right, this is just icing on the cake and come, uh, that second night I was like, all right, if I can do, you know, 34 laps, then I've matched what Ed did last year. I'll have done to win. Um, I've done more than I have ever done. Right. And I just felt like ready to be done uh, coming in and watching everyone like hang out. And that's what I missed. I wanted to do that because the thought of going through another night just seemed, just didn't seem like 
I guess I said I like when I stop really having fun or enjoying this. I mean, there's obviously like the pain, like your body aching and your feet are numb and you're cold and wet, whatever. But knowing that every there's that really fun part of spectating ultras that I wanted to just kind of jump out and have that. Uh, that's kind of what really drew me out of it. Right. And the timing was perfect. So lap 34, my last full lap, JP had dropped that lap. So yeah. JP technically did 33 laps. So right. that put me in to just the final three. And that was, I was going to drop that lap, that 34th lap. Like I dogged it in and, it, but that gave me a chance to meet Brian Burke, have a good conversation with him. And when I knew that he was in good spirits, I, and, and like ready to go the distance that made me feel really comfortable dropping and letting him and, and, uh, Ed go at it. Just duke it out. So on pa- on paper, everything just shook out like the perfect way for me to take an exit. Now I'd be lying if I didn't want to do more like afterwards. I felt that I could have done more, you know, right. Could I have done 10 more? Who knows? The thing is if Brian wasn't there, I would owe it to Ed to like die out there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to leave it all on the trail. And, and, uh, but it wasn't the case. And it's like, I, I had these thoughts throughout the event that I don't, I want to do well enough that I might not need to come back and do this again, you know, and be yeah. something have a, have a, a performance that I'm happy with and I'm proud of. And maybe I'd push a little deeper than I'd want to. And that way I can really feel comfortable, but no, there's no denying that, I really wish I had maybe an extra lap or two out there. I don't know why, but on the other, on the flip side, it was so nice to like stop, be done. And my last lap, I like went and hid in the woods trying to like make it all surprisey on the guys out there. And yeah, I was done. So I was happy. There would have been too much pressure to keep going if, you know, Brian, if there wasn't a guy to go against Ed and I felt comfortable. And what else did we say? Don't get high on your own supply. Yeah. So I, you know, it would have looked like a rigged race if I had, you know, been there in the end. So that's my, uh, safe scapegoat. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it was, it was just an interesting to see you like coming out and then you came back in. I was like, why are you like, you're going the wrong way. Like what's, uh, what's up with that? No. So this gave me perspective on like these other storylines of why do people stop? And now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. It's like, really mostly mental there's some obviously physical but mentally like when you're ready to be done you're done yeah um and that's always going to be the the, this puzzle piece that we're never ever going to really have an answer for there's so many variables i mean because your body's telling you to be done a long time ago the body's going in waves like ed was saying we'll we'll get to an ed interview afterwards but you know it could be bad for three or four hours you got to give yourself a chance to come out of it. And while those early laps, I was noticing all these problems with my body. Eventually you get too tired to notice the problems, <laughs> things when everything catches up and anyone knows this, whether it's a 5k or an ultra towards the end, everything just hurts. Yeah. And you forget about the little things and it's just an overall feeling. And that was towards the end. Like, yeah, I was stiff and sore, but that wasn't the reason like I stopped. And that's not the reason why a lot of people stop. Yeah. That's, there's more to it. It's the full story. Yeah. Anyway. So speaking of stories, going into this, we had predictions. We had predictions. Well, I guess I, I don't, I guess I can cut. No, I'm not going to, we're going to go over numbers in a sec, but, um, there was lots of, you know, you had obviously Ed being the favorite returning 
champ. Yep. Only finisher in the history of this event. Yep. With a question mark coming off of a previous last person standing in early September, but we he'd already done that the year before, so unless did, there did, was something obvious. Yeah. Didn't feel like it was a he was still a front runner. But anyway, what what were like some of the story highlights for you? And how was your time out there cuz this was like all on you this year? I mean, it was it was good. It was, you know, it was nerve-wracking. It was you know, I had that feeling of like, everybody's going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's the responsibility and then seeing people out there and making, want to make sure that everybody's okay. And also wanting to try and get people out, you know, for another lap. It's like, how do you, how do you balance that? Like some, some people come in and they're just done and you know, they're just done. And some people come in with the wording or like the emotional vibe, like I want to get out there for another lap, but I can't find it within me. And it's more having them question like, well, why are you stopping? And it's more of the, the like positive language of what do you need? What do we need to do? You have eight more minutes. What do we need to do to get you out there again? And some people would go, I said, you know, if you go out and you're not feeling it for the first mile, come back, you know, but, but don't stop without going out again. And I don't know that we had many people do that. You know, it's just come in for a lap and stop. They all went back out and said, you know, all right, I'm going to stop on the trail. And whether they turn back around or come in, but it's, I mean, that's what we asked them to do. So, you know, I thought it was pretty successful, but there's, um, I don't know. It was just, I, I came into it, you know, not having the best sleep schedule the week before. And it was just, uh, you know, I'd rather be well-rested and refreshed coming into this thing than not because it is a, you know, I want to be there when everybody comes in all the time. And uh, it's just tough when you're not. So. I, th- I thought you did an awesome job. Thanks. And then also the volunteers, everyone else that made this possible. So that was the fun part. The, 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 Watching, the vo- I think that everything went incredibly smoothly on, on my end. And I think that's reflective of most of the runners is, like you don't notice, you might not notice all the other stuff coming and going. Yeah. Like I didn't notice the picnic table. It's like, where did those <laughs> come from? And there's so much that you get blinded from as a runner where you're just really inwardly focusing on just trying to get through your laps. I mean, the, the crew, the volunteer squad, I mean, you know, Diane and I setting up the course this year, I thought that went great. You know, she was super, super helpful in getting this whole thing done and had my back and, uh, you know, the home life covered. And then when I needed to go to sleep, she was covering and we had our, you know, our tent set up in the back of the barn. So yeah. And she did a lot of the timing. Yeah. That's a lot of people to come through every lap. A, a ton of the timing. How we, many, yeah. I mean, a, we, we had a, yeah. So how many people came through? How many laps total? So when you had to count in, we had in total, um, let's see, uh, 1,124 laps. That counted. We also had people that went in and didn't make the cutoff, and you had to get that straight too. Like if you didn't make the cutoff, your whole lap is shot. So you just went three and a half miles for nothing. And we had, uh, you know, John Roy came in with like seconds to spare on a lap, and then went back out for a lap. So it's, I mean, he's leaving it all out there. Yeah, he's one of the few that really, truly, like, barely, you know, yeah, went until he couldn't. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, 1,100 laps is 3,934 miles that were counted. That would get you from Conway up through Alaska 
and a couple hundred miles into Russia <laughs> through, the, through the Bering Strait. Oh, so, I, I looked at that uh, on Google Maps, walking, taking the walking route, suggested walking route would get you to Costa Rica. Nice. The border of Costa Rica. <laughs> I prefer to go south for the winter. There's be a snowbird down there. Oh. I thought that that number was really impressive. When you start looking at the average distance covered, and this is something that I don't know what it is, if it's part learning from the pre, seeing previous results, being like, oh, these people covered this much. Can I do that? Like, how does that work? The numbers and the depth of the field, because it's not reflective of the necessarily the number, the increase in participants. Right. Because there's not, it's not to say we attracted better runners. I just think the environment is more conducive if you have more people in it. You might have more people in it if they're like mentally uh, over that, like th yeah. that little barrier. Say there's a 15 lap barrier that's been broken. Right. Well, I don't, I don't know that a lot of people wanted to be the first one on the board. Right. We had 66 participants, 22 of them were female, 44 of them were male. We had uh, s three out of the 66 didn't make the ultra marathon distance, but they all did more than a half marathon. Right. But 63 of the participants, almost, uh, what is it, 95% did an ultra marathon at least. So, you know, you're in with the. That's that's a lot of runners coming through the finish line every single time, and then they're they're and people tend to they they tended to be people found their you know water finds at the same level. People who were running in the 40, 40 minute segment were coming in together. And I wonder if it's just having company with a larger field, you feel more comfortable going out and less comfortable dropping. Hard to say when you know, but the the where we see the similarities of last year is like when pe the dropping when it starts to happen it happens in like waves of five yeah. and they're happening like from that 12 that 12 hour mark onward that's when right most people yeah. start to fall off with consistency yeah which we saw and i think that leads me to the other thing it was the average laps number average lap number was 17 laps right the mean was 15 because those top guys were definitely the outliers. Sure. But still, the fact that 15 laps is like your mean, that's <laughs> so impressive. Uh, because I'll tell you what, like personal experience, that 24 hour mark sucked. Like it was not fun. I think everyone was riding a, for the, except for Ed, but most people were riding a pretty, pretty solid low with the cloud cover, not getting a good sunrise. It's light out again, but it's still rainy and misty. That 24 hour lap was way more difficult. And we thought we were going to have a lot. You thought we both thought we both missed the, the number for 24. Yeah. I said, what? 16, 15, 16. You said 20. Yeah. And we had 13. Yep. So 13 people completed that craft CTM ultra lap yep uh i'll get a pair of shoes but going into it i think a lot of people had that they're like oh yeah 24 hours i can do it yeah well i mean because i thought you know i wasn't expecting i knew the course was wet when we talked about that in the pre-podcast i wasn't expecting it to be that dark and damp the whole time i mean you know the oh 
you know, you'll see the sunshine and you get back out and you'll get a little boost and it'll pick you up or you'll be in the sun. But it's like there is never any, oh, I'm in the sun that's warming me up like all weekend. No. And it wasn't like the course was that wet. It just added a layer of technicality navigating the muddy section. So yeah. there's a muddy section on the snowmobile trail where I sliced my knee open. And then there's another muddy section on the old road over on the north side of the course. And they just got progressively worse. Yeah. It rained a little more. Pits got deeper. The, the aptly named shit pits. <laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, 24, super hard. Congrats to everyone that made that happen. Thank you, Kraft, for throwing out some new shoes. Hillary ran a lot of laps in those shoes. Yep. I don't know what the exact number was, but she did at least like most of She did most of her running in those. Uh, the women was another thing, is I thought that women were going to do really well. And we saw the previous best for laps for women was 15. Yep. Suze Laughlin set that last year. Right. And we had 11 women who went 15 laps or over. Yeah. They really stepped it up. So that was big, especially big shout out Maya Buckingham, which was another big storyline. Maya came with um, a big goal. She wanted to throw down. Yeah. <laughs> and she did. She was the last woman standing she had a, a really supportive crew. It seemed like everyone was out there. Yeah, it was a good squad. Work. Yeah, people I had never met but had heard of uh, were showing up. Like even like Ben Lane, Ben Lane. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm here for Maya. Yeah. Like, what? So she that I mean that that's really fun to see. You know, she did. She looked like she was digging deep on those last laps, ready to be done. Yeah. Um, and then the other woman, Hillary, was right not too far behind her. Hillary did a personal best. She only wanted, she was ready to quit at hundred K ended up pushing out 21 laps for 73.5 miles. And Sarah Davidson, tell me about Sarah. Sarah was, was coming in and there was multiple laps that she came in where I was like, it looks like she's done. And she would turn around and rally and go right back out. Yeah. She looked like, she looked like she was just a zombie for yeah. a while out there in those dark, dark hours. Uh, Carter kept giving her like a sleeping bag blanket or something. And <laughs> no, she kept going. She pushed it for sure. It was, um, I mean, it was, it, it's just interesting to see like, you know, they're, they're coming through and all right, what do you need? And I mean, her kids were there. So it's a, you know, it's uh it's, it would be interesting to find out from each and they, you know, each individual participant, what their motivation was and, and what kept them going. Because, you know, I didn't it's everybody's so positive about it, you know, positive about what they're doing and, and why they're doing it. And they almost have their own reasons, but it's just a, it's a, just a great group to be around. I mean, the energy is good and it's not that it's so high energy or like electric, but it's just very positive. Like the whole, you know, personal best and what they're doing and why they're doing it. And there aren't a lot of backstories to it, but it's, um, I mean, that we know about, but it's just a great place to be. That's the thing is that everyone here on the start list has some story from the event. That's really special. And it's, it's like, it's super emotional when you watch people achieve things that they've never achieved before, you know? And you're like, why did that happen? It's like, well, there was this event, this space that people could come and and do in like a safe way or an, an inspirational way where they're motivated to keep going when they might not want to go. I look at, 
this crew here that I spent a lot of time with, I mean, I remember just like doing roll call every night, every night lap, just be like, who is behind me? You know? And it was just like, Oh, it's Austin black again. Here's Bill Cobb, you know, here's Declan and all and JP and just people lap after lap after lap. Uh, that was solid. Like when it went deep and there's still that many people left, like I look at, you now there's five of us that hit a hundred plus miles. Um, if you look at who hit the hundred K distance, it was pretty much 20, uh, 25 participants. Yeah. So it's just a much higher performances than the previous year. And I think and in, I don't know, the conditions weren't as nice, but it was a warmer night. So maybe there's some benefit to that. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. The whole why and what and people getting out there, it's, I mean, the, the it was, a, so I think the race, the one of the format of the, I mean, is it a race, is it an event, is only one person's going to finish and everybody else is the same, you know, you still didn't finish. No, I think that you've seen from uh, some of the Instagram posts, you know, I ran 120 miles two nights and I still didn't finish. You know, it's like, so the, you know, everybody but one has a story of why they didn't finish this race. And it's just great. You know, they, it's, it's you against you. It's not you against somebody else. It's what's going to make you stop. And one guy's figured out how not to make it stop. And everybody else has some reason for why they did. And I think that's a, I think it's a great thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I said, I get it. I understand this format. I was, I was, I guess I would say I was never really enthusiastic about it, but I get it now. <laughs> and I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I want to run it next, next year. I do not want to run it. I feel good. I feel you don't, good. you don't want to run in it. I don't want to run in it. Okay. I want to run it. I don't want to run in it. I want to make space for others. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, so Brian Burke, um, not really like flying under the radar. Like he was ranked the top guy. Yeah. But just like, I never met him and I knew that there would be some, some just like people I didn't know that were deep in it. A lot of people that were left are people I knew I had some relationship with, but I didn't really have a relationship with, with Brian. And as I mentioned, I got a chance to spend one of my last laps with him, learn a little bit more about him. Um, he's been very, um, you know, his ultra sign up, you can just do a quick little search on that. He's done a bunch of 50K and ultra distances. He's has great results. He runs with great people down in that trail animal run club down in Massachusetts. Um, and it's it's great. Like he came on a mission. He had his crew. They were dialed. And you know that when you have a good crew, like you're going to get the best out of yourself. Yeah. So he had, he had awesome people work, to work with and it was fun to watch people link up he was hanging out in tents with i don't know who else but um it looked like it was that part was neat to watch the community come together find your people and work work off each other but he was like working off ed early i remember at one point during the event i came out of a field and i could see ed wearing his green his like blue green shirt and he had like in v formation behind him like eight runners yeah just like they're just tailing off him, learning his pace and how he reads the course. And um, I think that definitely helped Brian, helped him out early because Brian said, I think he paced himself really conservative on the front end and saved up a lot of gas 
just saved his body for the back half. Yeah. Um, so like really, really impressive performance from, from Brian. And then quickly just running down some of these other people in the top 10 here, JP. And this is where I scolded JP. I'm like, come on, man. Like Ed's coming at 50 minutes. You're just like racing through at 40 minutes, 40 minute laps. Yeah. But now I get it. Now I understand it's a lot more fun to spend your time (laughs) in with your feet up than it is to like be disciplined and pace yourself out there. Cause it's time on your feet. Yeah. And it's like, honestly, the nighttime, it's just like the more time you have to spend out there than in with like everyone else. It's lonely out there. Yeah. Very dark. Will Peterson, he, you know, he's no slouch. We knew that he was going to do well. He ended up getting some, I think he had some, what pain did he have? Foot, I thought. Yeah, he had some like kind of showstopper. A couple people did when you start scrolling down this list. But I want us to like highlight Austin Black. He just run the Wasatch 100 a couple weeks ago. Came in with not, like no real expectations. And he wanted to quit. He was ready to be done. But man, he's one of those people that you just like, don't count him out. Pushed him back out. And I was like, man, <laughs> Austin's still in it. And like, I, not like I was bummed out, but I was just like, whoa, he looked like he was done. Yeah. And then Maya Buckingham, another, another great performance. Um, she seemed really disciplined. She was always like pretty solid on her laps whenever I saw her out there. Declan. Declan said his, what did he, his, uh, his foot blew up on one lap. Yeah. His, but he just went out to Galehead to help out Jack. Yeah. So he's 22 years old. I mean, come on. He's going to be okay. It was really fun seeing him. Adam Ribeiro, great performance out of him. First time we came to hang with him a little bit. And then Bill Cobb. So that was your top 10. Those are my people. Saw you guys did quite a bit of laps up. A lot of, and also just people that were running up front, like David Chorney. Yeah. Dude was up front all the time. He was a cash lap winner. Mm-hmm. Second him, cash him lap. And Todd. Yep. Uh, and then a lot of people came back from the previous year. So there's there's a lot of other just people building off their previous results and doing eking out matching or doing a, a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You only get to meet them at like you know seven or eight minute intervals, or you know just seeing them run by in the start and the finish. But you know, it seems like I know a lot more of these people now. Uh huh. It helped have the bibs with your name on it, right? Oh, yeah. That was a lifesaver. Yeah. My my last thing, one of my last things here is we've got, I put it out on Instagram, how many laps is, was this thing going? And we got over 100 comments. So Sydney Dolan, who also ran, how many laps? She did 73 miles, I think. She was right up there with Hillary. She said 45. So she's a winner. We have... Say Andrea McCusker, she said 45, and then Jason Linker. Jason, why weren't you running? This is right up your alley. He said 45. So we had three people for sure. There might be more buried in there. Guess the right on 45 laps. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I said I, I said 48, and people said I was crazy, right? And what, did, what did I say? I think you might have said something. You said under 48. I'll tell you that. I said low 40s. Yeah. But now we know it's easy when it's over. All you runners listening, make sure you filled out the feedback forms. And I think that's, we got the blackout coming up, blackout 5k, 10k, November 6th, really fun, fun event. 
it starts at twilight. So if you do the 10K, you will for sure be in the dark, get that nighttime running experience. And um, if you want to volunteer, there's plenty of opportunity to do that. It, th- that event feels like... Years away. What also feels like it's done in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Everyone's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you can't use the indoor facility. <laughs> Everyone's gone and you, you blink and it's three three hours start to finish. You're like, like that's it? Yep. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's jump to our interview with Ed and his um, wife, Dawn, to chat a little bit about what his experience was uh, this year. This is his third time doing this event. Also, his second, he's done Pineland twice, and he's got himself a couple silver tickets into golden ticket events, right? Nice, yeah. So he's got a chance to qualify for Big's Backyard Ultra, the, the original event that started this whole madness so let's let's hear what uh they have to say and we'll uh we'll see you guys next year next year bye we are joined by now three times bubba's finisher ed clifford and uh his partner in crime don roberts uh crew chief and this is great this is exactly what we wanted to do is get it on the phone um especially with Don too, to hear more about how his, how his long weekend went. Um, and we always start this stuff off with a congratulations and Ed, how are you feeling? Um, good. Surprisingly good. Not to be full of myself, but, um, other than a strained hamstring, I feel, feel really good. So you are human. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know where to, I don't know where to start on this. I want to, I, I guess, just quickly touch on Pineland because for those that don't know that you had just done a, a last, last man standing event in early September, which you finished, um, after coming runner up the, the previous year. Um, and so just run us through, I guess that event and the lead up and how, how you were feeling going into Bubba's this year. Um, yeah, I, Pineland was, was a good race. I went in, um, feeling a lot better than I did last year. Last year I was a little overtrained and this year I was pretty determined to make sure I rested more, do uh, less fast running going into that race. I think I kind of did myself in before the race, did my best workouts, um, ahead of it rather than saving it for the, the race day. So this year I went in really rested. I felt really good from the beginning. Um, I just, uh, everything went perfectly at Pineland. I I really can't complain about anything that happened there. We made it 35 hours. The last two or three hours were pretty torrential rain and fog was setting in. It was a bit disorienting out there. Um, I nearly got run over by deer twice um, (laughs) because there's some there's some switchbacks where they, they just ran to the other side of the trail and then I come around the corner and there they were again. So, uh, there was that, there was, uh, a pack of coyotes that sounded like they had just taken one of them down that we could hear just going nuts in the woods, not far from us. That was a little eerie, but no, other than that, um, Pineland went really well, came out of it, felt good, took two weeks off. Um, then just did a little, a few short runs and some bike riding and, uh, then we were ready for Bubba's. And so 
What was your strategy going to Bubba's this year as far as things you were testing out or changing that you'd learned from things you learned in, in previous years? I think um, I kind of wanted to put my keto diet to the test and eat less than I normally do. Um, less sugar, sticking more to um, a basic hydration plan, alternating water with tailwind rather than times in a lot of tailwind, which has a lot of sugar. Um, only two gels during the whole 45 hours. Tried to stick with whatever you guys served up off the grill. Um, anything that just tasted good, more solid foods. Um, less beer than I drank last year at Bubba's. I was trying to uh, be a little more sensible about that. And um, I think, yeah, that's about it. Just a more minimalist approach to my nutrition. And I never felt like I needed to eat more. Um, I did do a gel and a little more carb stuff right before the 24-hour lap because I kind of wanted to run that fast just to open up my legs. But uh, yeah, other than that, we, we didn't, didn't do anything different except just sort of cut back on the nutrition a bit and see how I felt. And uh, the, the fat metabolism was holding true and keeping me pretty well energized. Did you feel like your energy was pretty pretty level throughout the event? Yeah, I really felt it was level. Um, whereas at Pineland, I was pushing carbs a little more and I, I had the ebbs and flows. You'd go three or four laps feeling great and then you'd kind of be in the dumps for three or four laps and you'd struggle back out of it, maybe hit some more carbs, feel good again, more caffeine, um, and then suddenly you feel good, but then you drop off again. So what I was thinking for Bubba's is let's just be more consistent. Let's do no caffeine for the first night because I really wanted to get through a second night. And if I needed caffeine, I wanted it to help me out to get through that second night. And how did that work? How does that caffeine push that second night? Cause you did make it, you know, it took 45 hours to get this event through. That's over, over 157 miles. Um, were you feeling that caffeine push the second night? Any any point where you really, really questioning if you could stay awake or was that ever an issue? That was never an issue. Um, and we really weren't pushing the caffeine hard. I, um, um, I learned a lesson at the Vermont 100 where I kind of pushed caffeine a little hard. I had decafed for six weeks and my body was super sensitive to it. And suddenly, well, fortunately, I was wearing a heart rate monitor and my heart rate was to 200 for no real good reason other than the fact that I take too much caffeine. So ever since then, I've been very careful about it. I don't uh, decaffeinate before the race. I stick to my normal routine where I'm having some uh, Ski the Whites coffee in the morning. Um, after a hard workout, I'll have that same coffee with a little bit of protein in the afternoon. And then one meal at night, which is usually just salad and some meat. So we sort of tried to mimic that um, feeding schedule that I'm used to and just add a little bit more, um, but not a lot more. We didn't add a lot more and, and it worked out really well. I felt good and I felt pretty even throughout the whole 45 hours. And when you're saying, Ed, that you felt good, is there there's a... There's a physical component. There's an emotional component. I mean, some people find out there are spiritual components. So when you're saying you're feeling good, is that all three together that you're feeling good? Because when you're walking in and out, 
you just look happy and at peace. Is that part of it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm trying to hold all of that together. Um, just trying to keep everything on an even keel, be optimistic, but also be realistic because, you know, like Stockdale um, paradox, uh, it's, you know, you want to be optimistic that you're going to make it to the end, but you also have to be very realistic about the fact that it sucks. It's hard. And you have to deal with the brutality of the event <laughs> and all of the physical discomfort you're going to meet up with. Yeah. So I try to become friends with that. It's, it's familiar now. And to tell you the truth, after about 35 or 36 hours, I, my body sort of entered a, a place that I've never really felt where I was just sort of numb and it didn't hurt like it did maybe at 25 miles, uh, 25 hours. At 35 hours, it was sort of like, yeah, I feel a little numb, but it doesn't hurt more than it did earlier. It's just there. It's in the background. And I can deal with this for whoever knows how long. Right. And that's the way I finished. Nice. Well, speaking of finishing, if we, if we jump over to the beginning, the the one of the questions I have for you is the first lap was the cash lap. And to see you and Todd going full bore down that entryway. <laughs> was like <laughs> it was something i was like that you just look like so happy and then it looks like you're like listen this is not you know it's a you know i have another couple of days to do this i'm just gonna let todd take it but it's um the, you know the the motoring you put on and the the ability to turn it up is just super impressive so what, what were your thoughts behind uh you know when that it was i think there was a group of eight of you came around the corner what happened well, my thought was that I, I wanted to go out front, set a pace just fast enough that, well, maybe everybody will stay behind me because I really wanted a good look at the course. Um, you guys had said it was a little softer, a little wetter. Um, I wanted to see what I was up against right away, first lap, know it well, no traffic in front of me, and and that worked beautifully. And we had a nice single file line behind, and everybody seemed to be pretty good with the pace. Uh, we got to the point, nobody was talking about that finish line. And when we came around that last corner to the straightaway, I just hit it. I just went as hard as I could. Just as I did, somebody said, is anybody going for the lap? And somebody yelled, it is. So, you know, <laughs> so I came flying up behind me. Um, I tried to match his speed because he flew up to me so fast. And uh, so I accelerated. Um and we were just about even. He found another gear. And when I went for the next gear, I thought, you know what? I've got two days I want to run. <laughs> and if I blow a hamstring right now, <laughs> it's, it's all over. So, um, yeah, I erred on the side of caution. I made him work for it. Oh, I yeah. didn't give it to him. Uh, but it was fun. And one of the things we both decided is that we wanted to go there and have some fun this year. Try a few different things, maybe not be so serious, not be so attached to trying to win it, but just, um, you know, play the long game, practice up for Ohio in the spring and try a few different things. Just really have fun. And I hope people saw that we had fun doing it. It certainly looked like you were having fun. And it also seemed from the outsider's perspective, it's you look you look so strong and, and fine. And that's every year you've done this, you've looked good. And 
there's always that question of how is Ed really feeling if he's going out for a cash lap? Is he just going to mail this? Is this just going to be something where he, he's fatigued from Pineland or might not be that confident in going long? But clearly that wasn't wasn't the case. Now, going going through just like your internal thoughts, what, what did you think was going to go on? I know I know you're very just focused on yourself, but what was your whole thought? process like throughout the event as far as how long is this going to go because you have a lot of time to yourself to think about the event and when is it going to end and how long are you going to go and and everything else so what what were some of those thoughts that developed throughout the event um really my only thought was that i wanted to go two full nights and see how i felt um the the ability to go two nights to keep running to feel decent I think is going to be invaluable because in Ohio, that race was won by Harvey Lewis in 55 hours. Now we know Harvey can go into the sixties. Um, I really want an opportunity on a wheel measured course. They go on the road at night, which is pretty flat, easy to see if I can go beyond 200 miles in Ohio. But before I do that, having the confidence, knowing I've already done a race that goes through two full nights, and how I felt that morning and just coming in with the sun coming up, I felt even more energized than I had been the previous few hours. So it was, that was the main goal uh, or my main thought process from the beginning is let's get, you know, hopefully there's somebody that's going to push us into that second day and win or lose. I really want to know what I feel like in the second day. Right. And do you, what do you think of the, the course, Ed, and in terms of, you know, I know when I'm, I've not run the course nearly as much as you have, but it's, do you think the, the undulation and the technicality of it makes you stay a little more alert or does it grind people down? What's the, what's your take on that versus other courses? I think what I like about it is your mind is engaged constantly during that lap. Um, you really have to watch your footing. Even when it doesn't look bad, you could step in a divot in the field. You could catch a little root here or there. Um, there's a few flat sections where I like to open up my stride and just kind of run a little bit, get out of that shuffle, just so my legs didn't kind of get locked into that shuffling uh, pace all the time. But um, I like that it's it's sort of like Zen running. You're, you have to be in the moment there. You, your mind can't drift. Um, I really don't miss not having a pacer. I just, I like to be engaged in the course and I don't need music. I don't need distractions. I really just like that course because it keeps me focused on it. And do you like one direction versus the other? There's a lot of uh, sentiment for the, you know, there's the clockwise fans and there was a growing sentiment this year for counterclockwise, but do you have a favorite? Yeah, I didn't. And you know, when, um, what you decided when it was just down to uh, Brian and I, if we just alternate laps, I was completely fine with that. I really didn't have a favorite. I kind of like the way the clockwise, you flow more easily down into the lower part of the course, whereas counterclockwise, you kind of go up and down. It's a little rugged. It's easier to walk those sections coming home than to run them going out. Yeah. So I tend to not start running until we hit the field after the first quarter mile or so. Nice. All right, Don, we got questions for you because there's probably listeners out there that have never crewed for an 
crude for anyone, let alone a last person standing event. What, um, what was your routine? Because what I found about this event is that as a participant, time flies when you're crewing, volunteering, man, it, it goes by slow. It can. Yeah. So what, what was your routine every lap? Oh, well, I just try to make sure that I have his liquids ready for him, you know, mix up the tailwind ahead of time, that sort of thing. Um, have set out anything that he might need so that, you know, in that 10, 12 minute time, I'm not scrambling, looking for something, um, try to know where everything is. Um, so when he asks for something, I've, I've got it ready and, um, that sort of thing. So will he pre-order stuff and, and tell you he like next time I think, I think I'm socks and shoes or, uh, X, Y, Z, and then you have it ready or is that you need to get in his mind a little bit? Uh, sometimes I get into his mind a little bit. Um, you know, obviously I know when the headlamps are coming up, I need to make sure the batteries are changed and those are all charged. Um, and then, you know, sometimes he will order things ahead of time. Like he's really careful about when he takes his ibuprofen. And so he'll say ahead of time, next lap, if you can make sure you've got that set out so that I can take those. Um, and then when he's ready to switch to a caffeine, you know, he'd let me know ahead of time, that sort of thing. Right. And some of the, some of the crew people have a, you know, a pre-race debrief with their entrant about, you know, what's going to motivate you or what's the safe word to get you out of this when you're in a world of pain. And other people are given like full permission to, you know, use every nasty thing they know about him to keep him out in the course. Do you guys have a, a routine like that or is he a uh, pretty self-motivated? We really don't. Um, and I, I read some of those, those, um, recaps on Instagram and stuff, you know, the last couple of days, they've been fascinating to read what other people do. Um, cause I'm always looking for ideas and tips and tricks as well as anybody else's. Um, but we, we really don't, he is very self-motivated. Um, and I just, you know, give him a kiss and send him on his way <laughs> and try to make sure that I'm there when he comes back in. Um, cause I know it is a bolster to his, um, you know, bolster to his emotions that, you know, that I'm there for him. And, um, so I only slept through a couple of the finish lines in the middle of the night, but I also have to keep my energy levels up too. Um, and I have learned that over as he goes longer, I need to make sure that I get my rest. Yeah. That I can go longer. Oh yeah. I think we learned that. We learned that in our first, first, uh, I guess last year standing that went through the night and we were, yeah. we were pretty loopy as race directors and realized that we need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care you of the do. race. You really, yeah, you really do. It's, it's, it is very important. And I did, um, I did let myself go too far and I, I got pretty loopy myself there, uh, at Pineland and, uh, I'm not going to make that mistake again because it doesn't help him if I'm out of it. Yeah. So from the first year that you crewed Ed to now, you are a bit of a veteran. What, what were some of the improvements that you've made that you've seen that are like now staples in, in your race prep and, and I guess race servicing and the way you're crewing yeah the the biggest thing is is getting organized i can remember being so stressed out and nervous and we made a lot of goofs 
which makes it harder for him out there on the course if I don't have things ready, if I can't find the socks that he really needs to change or if I can't find a dry pair of sneakers because, you know, I don't know where they are. Um, so really getting organized. I walked around at other, you know, when we went to um, Pineland and some of the other hundreds and what have you, walk around and see what is in other people's tents the you know the the camp table and then underneath it I have the plastic totes that are drawers so I've got everything right at hand I have little baby drawers for the um the goose and the drink mixes and that sort of thing and then the big drawers for the food and the you know the other things that we need and really the organization has been the biggest thing um is getting organized so that I know where things are so that I'm not stressed out when he comes in wondering where something is nice yeah I can imagine just having a checklist each time your your runner comes yeah. through and be like all right do you have any trash yeah. on you? little things like that do you have any trash on you do you need any body glide? Yeah. Do you have your calories? Do you have your water? How are your feet? Like there's so much to go through. And when you're a runner, you're just out to lunch half the time. So, and you'll forget it and you're, you'll yeah. be like, the, you'll spend the whole lap out there being like dry socks, dry socks, dry socks. You come in, something distracts you. You have to go to the bathroom and then out the window <laughs> and you're back out there again. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why it's nice when he pre-orders ahead of time. <laughs> Make sure you have the bag bomb ready because I'm going to need that when I come back in. And uh, and then if he doesn't and he does remember it, I've got the bag bomb right on hand or I know that it's about time that he, you know, t- takes a goo because it's been a while and that sort of thing. Yeah. And are there any, are there any tells that you see in, in other participants where you're like, Oh, this is like, this is their last lap or second to last lap. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to share any of those? You want to keep those to yourself? <laughs> um, some of the, my observations are based from what I see at the beginning. I, you know, kind of spot the, the guys that I think or gals that are going to be there for a long time. And, I, I like watching strides, stride mechanics, how people run. Um, at Pineland, when Don's son Nate ran with us, I'd, I'd often point out different people's strides, how they run, and um, and, and you can watch that deteriorate over time. Um, you look at the lap times, how enthusiastic they are coming in and out. Um, a lot of people are very emotional. I try to keep that component in check, stay on an even keel. For instance, at Pineland, um, my competitor was just running really hot laps and coming in fired up and fist pumping. And and I thought, well, okay, that, that'll last three or four laps. And sure enough, you know, it, it did. And then he had an ab right when the downpours came. And I kind of felt bad for him because right as the downpours came, I was sort of getting into a flow state and really enjoying running in the rain. And um, I think Pineland would have gone further, but I think it just really added to the emotional distress that he was feeling on top of the physical stress. So, you know, there's that. Um, Brian was doing hot laps at midnight for like three or four hours. Um, I had been going out pretty strong and uh, all of a sudden he was just killing me. And I was uh, struggling a little bit in the uh, technical sections. I think my lights were dimming. I actually lost my waist light at at, uh, five o'clock, I think. And that spurred me to uh, kind of kick it up a notch, the adrenaline get going. I grabbed a couple of your 
lamps that are out there. I shut my headlamp down to low to save it. Uh, and I felt like I, I had better get my ass in gear. I wasn't going to make it back in time. If that light went off, I was in trouble. So anyway, I passed uh, Brian at a point in the trail where he had been doing really well, but I, I just noticed he wasn't moving as well as he had been for the past four hours. And not that that means he's going to give up, but I knew that he was struggling now. And it's for most people, it's how you handle the struggle. Because you're going to struggle for three or four hours sometimes before you can get some flow back, before you can figure out what it is that's going to help you get comfortable again, whether it's mental, physical, nutritional, um, whatever it is you need to get back to that base. Um, I didn't think that he was done by any means. I, I just expected he'd struggle for a few laps. And, you know, once the sun came up, we'd be going at it at least, uh, you know, for another half a day. But um, I noticed the lap after that, um, when the sun was coming up, maybe it was two laps after that, that um, I looked back at the halfway point or at a couple other points, and I didn't see his headlamp. And the sun was coming up and still kind of needed it. So I would have seen his headlamp. And I thought, boy, either he hasn't come, either he turned around and went back, or he's really struggling even more now. And it's going to be tough for him to finish the lap. So um, when I came in, I didn't think it was over. But when I turned around and saw him standing there, it's like, oh, my God, it's over. And just like that, yeah. it ended. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. The, um, it was, it was interesting when it got to be when JP finally dropped out and there were just the, the two remaining of you. Uh, Brian was overheard saying, you know, I'm just concerned. I'm just going to be Ed's play toy for the next 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> he said it in a joking way, but there was some, there was some serious, seriousness behind it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Well, he, he was a, uh, he was a great competitor because he was he was equally as concerned about pushing Ed as far as he could if he couldn't win it, which I think is the spirit of the last man standing. Um, it's that, that there's got to be two. It, they generally come down to two. Yeah. And the assist is just as important to see how far they can go because you won't know if the assist doesn't push you. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we've only in the, the events we've run, we've only had it be two person and one finisher. We've, I've never had like yeah. multiple, like three and then two drop. It's always been, you know, the last two and then the finisher. Yeah. Yeah. It is a fascinating, fascinating event that way. And I wonder if we, if we did a list or put out in the, you know, a, just a, a straw poll of how many people quit because they were emotionally spent versus physically spent i mean i know when it gets to be in the end period you know i'm balling like a baby everybody that quits you know it's because yeah. it's there i i'm a mess and they're a mess and it's just like one of the few times you can get to be like these people have just done something so so difficult and then they stop mm -hmm. and it's like and it's okay because it's like we said in the beginning most people are not going to finish this thing <laughs> and it's, no. and it's no. you know i feel like cruel and heartless when I say that, but it's the truth. And, you know, we have discussions, you know, 364 days a year, like, what about the format and what do we do? And I'm like, the format's the format, you know, it's yeah. one person out of them is going to finish 
and we don't know who it is. So let's just run the event. And, it, you know, when the, you saw the the non-finisher list in the beginning of the day, and I was like, we got to fill up these 66 places. I'm like, this is going to take forever. And then slowly but surely, you know, names get dropped in. But um, I think it's just, I, I really love the, four, I don't know, it's the only format I've been in, but I really love it. Yeah, I think that a lot of people really like the format as we go to more of these um, because people can push themselves. They can come in saying, I'm going to do 10 laps. And then, you know what? Actually, this is kind of fun. I'm going to do one more, two more, see how I feel. But you you do as many laps as you want or as many laps as you can, but you don't feel like a failure because you know, it's not really, it's a DNF, but it's not really a DNF because there is only the one winner. Um, but you can watch people push themselves so much further than they thought because you're thinking in terms of laps and the mileage just adds up really fast. Yeah. And so you see a lot of people really reaching personal best and everybody's encouraging everyone else it's a it's the spirit of it is so encouraging and helpful to get people past the point they thought they could ever do and it's it's awesome to watch from the sidelines yeah yeah you guys had the the internet was captivated once again when these events go multiple days and i've just heard a lot of people being like oh i'm in for next year you know whether it's someone that just came in check the course out, crewed someone, did a lap, but it's, uh, yeah. it's contagious. It's infectious. Watching other people achieve personal bests doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be the finisher, but, uh, it sparks that, right. curi- it sparks really that curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's a unique format because you do get that break every hour, um, to fuel, to visit with your friends, to get bolstered up again, to go out again. Um, and that's where the crewing, I think, really, really helps because um, because it is so regular. You know you're going to see your family. You know you're going to see your friend. And that bolsters you for the next lap that you didn't even know you could do. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to include the crew, the volunteers, the runners. Everyone Everyone feels like part of this, this thing that's obviously bigger than themselves. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Con- congratulations to you two for for once again putting on a performance worthy performance i mean I'm, it's scary every year watching this get <laughs> the the field get better go deeper you know from 25 mm-hmm. hours to 34 to 45 uh, that, yeah. we must be in the 50s next year there's there's i mean this was a this was a challenging <laughs> year the weather and um man I did not taper or bank sleep ahead of this thing. But I'm going to have to for next year because I was I went into it low and then just kept on bouncing off the bottom. But yeah, I mean, talk about next year. Well, it's like huge uncertainty with with you, Ed. You've got um, this is your second silver ticket event, which means you bought your way into an event uh, from Pineland, puts you into an event in Ohio in March, and then also this event buys you a a ticket into an event in Maryland in May. So what's your plan? Yes. Um, well, I thought about it for about 30 seconds and decided that uh, I'm going to run them both. Uh, they're 10 weeks apart, roughly. Uh, I think I bounced back well off Pineland with just four weeks. So I think if I took it easy for four weeks and did a short build up to the next one, I want to see 
if I get a fitness bump, you know, if I can get to Ohio, if I have a great race and I run in the 50s, that's awesome. Maybe I can go further in, in Maryland 10 weeks later. Or if I have a lousy race in Ohio, I know that I can pull out and regroup and try to have a better race in Maryland. So, yeah, I mean, the goal is ultimately between those two races, find out where my ceiling is. And there's going to be runners that are going to be better than me, that are going to go further than me. Um, I won't say that it's not possible for me to win one of them. I don't think it's realistic that I will, but I will do my best and hopefully have a good race and, and put up a really big number. And like you said, it, it's a little scary coming back next year because whether I'm doing Pinelands, Bubbers, or I get into Bigs, um, your event, Pinelands, Brian, Jason from uh, um, from Pineland, who's won it three times, who's doing bigs this year. Uh, these guys are going to be putting up big numbers. I, I have so much respect for Brian Burke. We spent our first lap together talking, and uh, he really impressed me. Um, kind of a funny aside, after uh, we had our first lap together and we spoke, for most of the lap, I was so distracted, I didn't even know which direction we were going. Um, I came in, I said, uh, Brian's in this for a long time. We're going to see daylight. Can you look up his ultra sign up? Because I kind of want to refresh my memory. And <laughs> Dawn looked it up and talked to her son, Nate, and they decided that maybe they shouldn't tell me about his <laughs> ultra <laughs> sign up record. Because <laughs> it's impressive. Everything he's done, he's won or been second. And uh, I reminded her the next day when she did tell me that they, they decided not to tell, tell me specifically about his record. I said, you do know that I've done my homework. I already know what everybody's is. I just wanted to refresh my memory. But yeah, he's the real deal. He put up a neat um, spreadsheet of every lap, what he ate, what his time was. His crew was really meticulous. His nutrition was dead on. You know, he didn't leave anything to chance. And he's going to come back and put up big numbers. I, I see him going into the 50s. So, yeah, it's pretty scary um, how far we're going to be able to go over the next few years, whether it's me or just these new guys. Um, they're going to be putting up some big numbers, I know. That's exciting. Well, you've created some monsters, Ed, um, push, <laughs> pushing people to to see what they're made of and inspiring others to get involved in this format. You know, if, if people weren't putting out making this event so fun and part of that is that like the last two performance to make it interesting, to make it go further. So big thanks to you. Big thanks to Don. Um, we're excited to see how your spring rolls out. It would be, it would be too bad not to see you back with bib bib one. But if that meant, uh, you're saving yourself for bigs, if then that's, you know, it's, great to have the best of the best at our events and also, we're, we're behind you yeah watch him watch him go do other things so um yeah, yeah great. big big congratulations in order for for this event so it's great to speak with both of you thanks you too thank you thank you it's been a pleasure guys all right until next year all right <laughs> yeah because next year you could just come and hang out if you didn't if you weren't racing, you could just come volunteer. Oh, I, yeah. If, if we did, uh, end up going to big and that's very unlikely, but 
I can't see not coming up and spending at least a day up there hanging out and seeing everybody and being part of the race. It would be a lot of fun to be up there what just week- as a spectator. What weekend is Biggs? Uh, it's this coming weekend. Um, this weekend is huge. I mean, for running, you've got Moab 240, you've got Biggs, you've got Chicago Marathon, Boston on Monday. So if you're a running fan, oh man, this is a great weekend. Hmm. So it is really that close. Okay. Yeah. One week. I, I don't think I could turn around that quick. You haven't tried yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't tried yet. Well, so the, the, the in-between lines of that is, so next time if I did Bubba's, I'm going into the fifties and then rest a week and then go into big. So yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Great chatting with you guys. Awesome to see you this this last uh, weekend. Yeah, likewise. It's great seeing you. Nice seeing you race it, Andrew. Nice having you out there. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun to see what it's all about. I got what I like. I said I got what I came for. Now I have some right. some sort of uh, idea of what what everyone's going through. Yeah, which is great. It's good stuff. All right, all right. We'll take care. Enjoy the rest of your your day and have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Thanks, guys. You too.